Welcome to episode 72 of The Hard Truth About B2B E-Commerce. I'm your co-host, Isaiah Bollinger, at episode 72, and uh, back with Tim. Hey, everybody. Uh, Tim Peterson here, loving uh, what we're up to. 72, I can't believe it. I actually remember 1972 also, so (laughs) (laughs) speaking to a whole other generation there. Uh, I'm going to continue my tradition of giving a couple shout-outs to people who've told me that they've listened to our podcast. So, uh, big social influencer Luke Matthews is impressed with our podcast. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know him, too. Uh, if, you, if anyone knows Luke, and I think everybody does, Luke loves us, so I love you back, right? Thank you for that. Uh, also want to uh, give a shout-out to Robin Lebo, uh, an old employee and former colleague of mine who is listening to the podcast, and I didn't know that. So I'm very excited. She's very uh, been loving it all along, and she advises a lot of people in the B2B space and found us and didn't know I'd been hosting the podcast. So, <laughs> it's like, I know Tim. <laughs> like, who's that That voice? I recognize I know. Him. It's like amazing. So <laughs> shout out to them and to everybody else. And if you're hearing this, uh, just reach out. Reach out to me and to Isaiah and tell us uh, what you think. We'd love to hear. Uh, we're easy to find on LinkedIn. So I'm going to pause just for a moment to insert our sponsor mentions, and uh, then we're going to kick things off. Our first sponsor is Punch-Out-To-Go. Punch-Out-To-Go is a global B2B integration company specializing in connecting commerce business platforms with e-procurement and ERP applications. Punch-Out-To-Go's iPaaS technology seamlessly links business applications to automate the flow of purchasing data. With their solution, you can immediately reduce integration complexities for punch-out catalogs, electronic purchase orders, invoices, and other B2B sales order automation documents in order to accelerate business results. Balance is our other sponsor. Balance is a B2B e-commerce payment solution that works well for you and your buyers. It offers a seamless one-click checkout for almost any payment method, including ACH, wire, checks, cards, even terms. It's used by leaders in B2B e-commerce, and it's as easy as buying a shirt from Amazon. Check them out at getbalance.com, book a session, and tell them what your needs are. They are the first dedicated payment platform for B2B e-commerce, 100% tailored to your needs. Thanks again to our sponsor, Balance. Okay, everybody. uh, Thank you to our sponsors, and I'm going to Send this right back to Isaiah to introduce our guest today. I'm very excited to grill him and get to the core of what he's up to. Uh, I will make a quick uh, note before that, though, is uh, our longtime original sponsor who sponsored before we even really had a podcast and just kind of took a leap of faith on us. Uh, we didn't ask for a lot of money, but, you know, they still took a leap of, leap of faith. Uh, Punch Out to Go has now rebranded to Trade Centric. And uh, I think, uh, I'm not sure. Um, Definitely the site will be live uh, by the time this podcast goes live. It might not be live at this recording. <laughs> yes. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's a better representation of their name, uh, which is just helping everyone kind of trade, in the, especially in the B2B ecosystem, which leads us to our guest, uh, Gail uh, Barlev, who is helping. Uh, it sounds like, you know, my understanding from what you told us is that you're helping 
not not exclusively, but uh, international companies, mainly non-U.S. companies, bring their goods, get their goods to the U.S. to uh, small, medium, and large businesses through your e-commerce uh, infrastructure uh, in an Amazon-like experience, which would normally probably be pretty hard for them to do. Uh, especially, I'm sure some of these countries are maybe harder than others, <laughs> and 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 no, people might not know who they are in the U.S. Right? They might not have like a, a name brand, name brand, right? So, please tell us about um, you know your your background and how you how you started this. So. Sure. So I'll, I'll start by representing what is. Uh, so first of all, thank you, Isaiah and uh, Tim, for uh, hosting me today. And thank you, everybody, for uh, listening in and tuning into this podcast. Uh, that will be a very interesting one, I can assure you that. Um, <laughs> so with that with that said, um, my name is Gil Barlev, as I see, uh, represented me. I'm the CEO and founder of Homeroots. Um, Homeroots is a B2B selling platform for manufacturers of furniture and home decor items who want to get their goods sold by um, North American retailers. Right, so we're helping them on all of that uh, aspects, which we will dig deeper. But in my background, um, how I got involved into all of that is that my background, I'm actually a software engineer. I started off with coding. I started my career when the internet was just building up, becoming a thing. Many companies were not really utilizing it. E-commerce was not yet a thing at that time, but that's where I started my career. And through that evolution, I found myself one day uh, working for Toys R Us and one day actually needing to lead a project that gets them integrated with Amazon while Amazon was doing the front end, selling the goods, um, selling the toys, the Toys R Us were supplying. So that really what got me exposure with uh, e-commerce on really on a global scale, not just um, not just domestic, also involved in Toys R Us on an international scale. Yeah, a lot of idea into wholesale and retail and logistics and all of that. Um, and I fell in love. I fell in love with e-commerce. And the years went by. I've done a little bit different project. I had my own different companies. Helped out different companies. In, I saw in, your LinkedIn and there was a long yeah. list, but I saw oh, Toys R Us and then there's a bunch of stuff and then there's now Home Roots. <laughs> and there's now Home Roots. <laughs> yeah. And it's all an evolution. It's all an evolution because really when you, when you get down to it, um, you know, it, it's it's easier nowadays. It's easy. Marketplaces have done, mainly the, the, the consumer-facing marketplaces, such as we all know as Amazon is the leading one of that, um, have made it very easy for... Um, Really, I will say even people, I won't say necessarily even companies, okay? I will say even people all around the globe get the products and sold, right, to the consumers, right? So you've got solutions out there. But if you look at Amazon and you look at other marketplaces that are out there and you combine all the market share that they have in our space of furniture and home decor, they don't even represent 10% of the market. Really? So, so yeah, yeah you know, you like Wayfair and all that. So Wayfair is different, but even with Wayfair, even with Wayfair, they don't represent ten percent of the market. Even with Wayfair. So where yeah. is the ninety percent? Is it's 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 the Jordan's furniture in store, or where is all this? Exactly, that's part of it. It's this. It's the no-name stores that you never heard of, um, or unless you're in a local, you know, they're they're local. Yeah. Store, so there's know. like uh, oh. local furniture chains and local in furniture chains. Then you have like Bob's and Jordan's who are kind of mid-size. 
Exactly. Those, uh, those what, what, what about IKEA and big players like that? So IKEA is we don't do directly any business with IKEA. Um, I do. I don't have the recent stats about IKEA, but I would assume since I don't really know any individual player who owns more than two percent of the market share, this is a very defragmented uh, industry. There's no real leader. That's that's the challenge here. So if you really want to go, it's not like uh, in the e-commerce space. If you go generically. Really yeah, generic. you have Amazon and say Amazon. Yeah, say yeah, Walmart now is leading number two. Yeah, yeah. Some people are talking about eBay number three. Okay, it's very clear e-commerce generally speaking. Yeah, I mean it, it covers like probably over fifty percent, the top ten or 20. yeah, 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 and they, they cover pretty much almost everything. But yeah. if you go into the furniture space, uh, there really isn't any really leader, a real leader. You can say, okay, this leader owns ten percent or fifteen percent of the market. No one really owns more than. Well, it's because it's so heavy, it's so diverse, it's complicated, right? I mean, I think one of the reasons Wayfair has struggled, like they haven't had much profitability, right? And I think it's because the shipping, the logistics, I think they can't even really do returns. You know, there's a lot of reasons why. Yeah. There's a lot of, it's not an easy industry. That's why I picked it up. That's the reason. Uh, that's actually one of the reasons uh, I, I I picked up this industry because one I realized that okay if you want to go B two B, there's not too many solutions. You're limited to the Amazon of the world and these things, which everybody goes there. That's like everybody goes there. Okay, so you're competing with everybody on a small segment of the market. So I said this is this doesn't make sense. Like if you if you Go in any financial class, right? And any anybody, any professor will tell you why would you want to have high competition in a small segment market when high competitive in a small segment? Just go to the less competitive market at a higher audience. It makes it's like finance one on one. So I realized, okay, maybe I'm the only one thinking about it. Maybe there's more, but I don't care. I gotta move forward. I gotta I gotta do something about it. And that's really what uh, yielded home roots. And Home Roots uh, was about the furniture because issues that you just said, it's very difficult. It's very antiquated um, um, market, uh, industry. It's been controlled by, I will say, no, and no offense here, but more of the older, older generations that are leading the sales force in this industry. They're not completely fine-tuned to the level that they need to be with how e-commerce have advanced, how digital commerce have advanced over the past 20 years. They're still in the old mindset and they will not change. They will retire in that mindset. They will not learn. Yeah, anything. the showrooms. I mean, I think showrooms, that, that's the booklets, a... this, uh, you know, I'll send you the paper catalog. You know, the most thing that they'll do, maybe I think the most advanced. And again, I'm, I'm not here to bash anybody. I respect everybody. Oh, please do though. <laughs> but but the way the way the worst come to worst, they'll come with a key, you know, like a keychain or give you like a, a discount key, you know, or whatever it is, something you can plug in and say, okay, you don't need to carry this heavy <laughs> uh, catalog with you when you walk in the show. You could just plug it into the computer and you can see it. But at the end of the day, it's a PDF file. Right, or a bunch of images. Now, yeah. you want to sell online. You're a retailer or you are um, a business professional. You want to show it to your customers. You want to be able to scale. How do you convert that PDF to uh, <laughs> to a website? 
Well, I, I, I actually know from personal experience that this is really hard because uh, uh, we do have clients in your industry and generally they, they, they struggle for two reasons. I think one, um, and some do better than others. Some are a little bit ahead of it, but like the back office logistics is complicated, right? The, yes. the, 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 the getting it there, the order management, the like, especially if they're manufacturing the whole process, it's, it's complicated. So it's like, it's a lot more complicated than just like, oh, buy this t-shirt and ship it out. Right. And then on the, on the other side of that, we're dealing with one specifically where like the customizations are there, they, they want to offer, like, it's almost like it's, I mean, I'm not sure the actual number, but it's, I think it's probably millions of permutations. Uh, I think I'm not even sure if they do like a skew for everything, they probably have some sort of like code um, or programmatic code because it's just, there's so many potential like, you know, thousands of different fabrics. And then within the different pieces of the furniture, you can choose different colors and like, and that's like per item, right? So then if you have thousands of right. items, awesome. you know, it's you're probably talking about millions of potential permutations of this one, one business. And they're not, and this is not a company that's like Home Depot, right? It's a small business. It's a small business. And, and that's yeah. exactly the problem that uh, Home uh, is solving, right? So we're, we're two faces, uh, two side faced, type of a company. So on one hand, we, we're dealing with manufacturers. We're helping them. So our promise, our promise to them is we will get you into the retail. We will help you get into the retail and get you the results that you're looking for. Okay. And what does that entail? We can touch upon that uh, shortly. And then on the other side of things, we are saying to the retailers or we're saying to business professionals, listen, we know that how you got used to as consumers you got used to buy online and you have a certain expectations a buying expectation or buy you buyers um experience that you would like to see also when you buy in wholesale when you buy in bulk from your um suppliers so we want to create their b2b shopping experience similar to their b2c shopping experience and that's our promise make the easiest way so you can be in the middle of the night you want to order something whether it's for your customer or project, whatever it is, right? You can log in. We have a gated community in homeroots.co. You go in, you register, you add your item to the cart, you check out, boom, the order is done. You know exactly how much shipping you're going to pay. You know exactly how much the cost of items. You know exactly when you buy, when you're going to get it, how you're going to get it. You have all the details even before you place an order, but it's definitely clearer after you place an order. So there's no surprises. You don't need to call anybody to place the order. You don't need to. I mean, if, if you want to, you can, but you don't need to. You don't need to go through so, all that. So, so, so let me ask a couple couple questions just based on my yeah. experience with some other companies that do B2B. So I've worked with, uh, you know, Crate and & Barrel and Williams-Sonoma, Design Within Reach, you know, these companies, and they all have B2B, right? They all have online portals, let's say, for B2B e-commerce to take place. Uh, if you order for design within reach, you can fill out an office building, right? You right. can fill out, literally fill out an office building and say, you know, floor 10 offices, one through 25, boom, 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 boom. And, and then, you know, figure out the terms and figure out the deliveries and all that. So that again, is a model that you offer also. You could do something like that if you're a facilities person, or you're filling out like a whole apartment complex, that kind of thing? We're, we're getting that. We're getting to that. Um, we don't have yet the same um, 
offering similar to like the ones that you just described but we are slowly getting to the point where you actually will be able to do like augmented reality mm. on the platform and you'll be able to plug and play actually this is right now something that we're actually in-house um testing uh and we'll be able to come up with that uh, feature very much soon we have a few partners in, in ar so maybe we should talk about this uh yeah i have a lot of friends in that space that that, that might you might be interested in talking to them so yes but also uh, just definitely. just to follow through on that one line though so so that's that's excellent but another thing that i did notice because i poked around your site for a while and you know tried to figure out what was going on and I, I love it i have to say i love it but it really one of the ways like you said it's very much like the consumer experience and I didn't, I don't know of this in other places is you have things even like, you know, clearance up to 50% off for yes. wholesale, yes. Right? which is right. very unusual. You don't usually right. see that kind of call out, you know, promotional tagging or flagging, excuse me for that. I thought, what? so tell me how you got there and how that works like behind the scenes, because that's a little unusual for wholesale. I've never really seen that. Sure. So again, what leads us is, is trying to create uh, as I said, the shopping experience similar to the consumer. So whatever the consumer thinks about, we will try to do something similar for them. Like like the clearance, for example. Now, how do we do the clearances? Obviously, sometimes, and especially now with the market, there's a lot of things that are happening on, on a global scale, with recession, all that. But we're leveraging other overstocked products. We're getting certain promotions done with the factories on a regular basis. When we're trying to push different products out there, we're able to, when the market actually went up with the cost of, of shipping, ocean freight, everything else, and people, the warehousing costs got higher as well. We were able to actually, in some cases, to be able to keep the, the cost to our retailers pretty much flat. And with that increase, due to different distribution, moving the goods to different areas, uh, store them in, in cheaper places, finding routes, or also finding uh, sources in different countries where the transportation fees have not climbed up that much wow. as what we saw from Asia, because we work with factors really all over the globe. So that, yeah. that's the beauty of us, right? So if you, if you, let's say you're a business professional and you're buying from your uh, certain retailer, right, that you used to, those retailers usually usually tend to work with a specific set of factories and their position usually those factories position in a certain countries in the world now for those companies to shift around and find another manufacturer in a different part of the world that's not that straightforward process for them right there is it's very rigorous you got to go through the work. yeah it's a lot of, yeah, work. a lot of work quality issues there's a lot of issues that take place so it's yeah. not an easy process and when you have a market that is so unstable as what we've seen in the past two years that type of a move doesn't play well you know it's not an easy move. let's put it this way and and companies that i've seen attempted it attempted to do that really haven't done that that well and you see a lot of shortages and everything, but yeah. because the nature of our business, because the way that we operate, we're able to take similar products, literally from different places in the world and offer them for yeah. So if there's a problem, I don't know, from China, not a problem, we'll offer the same product from Colombia or from Mexico, That's or amazing. find something from uh, Argentina or Europe, not a problem. And then we'll shift it. We'll bring it, we'll bring the goods to our warehouses 
warehouses that we we uh, store ourselves the goods from the factories, we'll store them closer to where the demand is. So by that, we're able to offer lower transport. Yeah, almost like Amazon, right? They have so many warehouses and that's why they're so, people realize it's like they have this like warehouse competitive advantage that it's almost impossible to, to get to that level. But that's, um, that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. So tell me, um, I, I also booked around, it, it looks like you guys have like a custom site uh, or how do you guys kind of build that? Did you, did you? Um... So it's, it's all proprietary built. I've been asked many times on what e-commerce system I've rebuilt it on, but no, it's a proprietary built from the ground up. Um, took us several several years, and we have a whole development staff in house that keeps on fueling it. Don't mind me asking, where's your staff? Is it mostly U.S. overseas, or where have you kept? Uh, it's partially, it's overseas. Partially, I will take the opportunity to say that some of our development staff is in Ukraine. And we've been supporting them through this war effort um, all this time. Um, we've been actually strengthening our ties with them. That's awesome. And this is important. They're very close to our heart. We keep them. Yeah. How to keep them uh, safe as much as we can, at least financially. Uh, yeah. One of our uh, biggest partners is Big Commerce, and they had like I think they had like almost a hundred developers in Ukraine. So yeah, a lot of uh, e-commerce uh, developers in Ukraine. So yes. yeah, yeah, my uh, one of the companies I work with, uh, we have uh, we have an office in Kiev, and so there really were lots and lots of people affected by that. So yes, I think uh, it's all, it's touching all of us. It's really pretty pretty amazing. I definitely think it's important that we all keep them uh, working and paid. <laughs> as much. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, this is this is dear, due to a heart, and and when when the war broke out i was asked many times okay so what are you going to do now and and it's not like we have exclusively our entire staff is not only in ukraine so we have developers really from other places as well but we do have a large chunk of uh, developers in in ukraine now i was asked okay what are you going to do now i said listen i'm going to stand by them they are part of us they are yeah our company like almost like family and whatever we can do to support them we will and hopefully, I'd like to say, um, you know, they'll be the judge, but uh, hopefully we did a good job with uh, preserving them, making sure that they got food, they got money, so they can get their, you know, families being taken care of. That's amazing. So you guys built this infrastructure, which makes a lot of sense. There's probably a lot of like custom logistics and things that are going to be tough to have in one one platform. How did you guys do all these warehouse? Like, did you just contact a bunch of different buildings or like how are these third parties or how did you get all these different uh, warehouses? So, so we built different partnerships um, over the years with different companies um, that let us actually um, list certain areas in those warehouses that are more dedicated or exclusively dedicated to home roots, to what we're trying to do. Uh, I, I can't tell you that it was an easy task at first. Uh, most warehouses do not want to deal with furniture. When they hear furniture, they say, okay, am I dealing with uh, sofas, things that doesn't come on doesn't come boxed? Uh, like, what am I, I mean, is it heavy? Many Part of them of the don't. Store, right? They can't like stack yeah. it. In, like, yeah, they house. can't stack yeah. it. They, mo most warehouses actually do not want to deal with that. I will say majority of them, uh, but that's how we built. We we contract them. We show them the added value. We 
portray the picture that, hey, it's okay. The handling of the merchandise is on us. We just need the space. Okay. And so, so don't worry about us doing something. You get all the empty office space, figure <laughs> out how to uh, lease all, you know, all the United States office space. It's going to be some, I bet you in the next, uh, you know, a lot of leases are going to come up for renewal. And I don't think, uh, I don't think everyone's going to renew their lease. You know? I can tell you that we've utilized that as well to, to the beginning. <laughs> At the beginning, we utilized that as well as part of the pandemic, especially for the small um, items that are not that bulky. We we use that, one. but but it's we got some extra space. We'll uh, we'll lease you some space. It's not a lot, but hey, maybe you know in Malden, uh, you can yeah, like the sub sublease. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that both of you gentlemen probably know is that a lot of uh, a lot of malls, you know, Simon Property Management and others. That, you know, there's a lot of empty space. So uh, especially when Sears disappeared, J.C. Penney disappeared, Lord yeah. Taylor disappeared, a, a lot of that mall space has been repurposed into you know DCs yeah. distribution centers. So it's uh, and there are people that uh, you know I've now talked to directly about this. It's it's great business, uh, you know, for e-commerce, and uh, it's really something that if you haven't done that already, you should uh, start talking to the mall companies <laughs> too. It's, yes. uh, it's pretty great. Yes. You know, no, one, yeah. Yeah, one, one other uh, thing I'll, I'll slide into this. So, you know, I, I, I think I, I've told our listeners this before, you know, I've had a long career, I've done a lot of crazy stuff, but I was also a warehouse and multi-unit store director for a oh. furniture seller, among <laughs> many other things long ago. And uh, it, furniture is complicated. I want to underline that, you know, this is this is something that people often don't realize. I was also a manager in a pottery barn, right? And, and worked oh. with the Williams Sonoma companies as a consultant subsequently. And so it really is, it's not easy. It's not like home accessories can often be quite easy. They're like anything else. You know, you fit them in a box and you ship them. Furniture is, is sometimes assembled on site, sometimes assembled in warehouses. Sometimes you need white glove delivery. It's really unlike, so many other things that have to get you know sent yeah, around it is water. you're right because like it there's a, a lot of it is like a do-it-yourself product right like mm-hmm. it's like you get a product but sometimes you actually have to like build the product and, and sometimes that's really hard like like the instructions are not great uh not easy you know? and that's exactly and because of that because of the challenges that we saw in different business professional different businesses um, mainly e-commerce, even small to medium-sized e-commerce companies, even they struggle with the LTL. They struggle with the assembly, delivering, finding reliable. Oh my God, I mean, I, yeah, shortage. I have, yeah, I have a lot of personal experience with this for two reasons. One, you know, we have the Trellis digital agency side, so we work with, you know, some of potentially even your type of vendor type customers, not mm-hmm. maybe exactly that. And then also uh, my my wife uh, and and I helped her, but it's mostly run by her. I'm actually there right now, uh, just because you know I needed to help her. And there was we we had been traveling a lot, so she hadn't been able to work on it much. Is a small Airbnb like a rental business, small Airbnb, and so like we're constantly you know getting uh, either uh, you know the original furniture or guests over time. You know they kind of wear on things because you have so many guests coming in and out, so a lot of things got to get replaced. And it's just like, it's really hard. Uh, you can't get any reliable times, delivery times. You know, I can't tell you how many times you're like, delivery window is two to four. And then they're like, oh, actually, you know, they're they're wrong. And then it's like another week later, like, 
it's like almost impossible to get reliable delivery times on on larger items. It, it, it's hard even to get uh, to get trucks, right? And we, yeah. we realize we realize that that's an issue. That's that's one of the problems that we're solving to both our manufacturers and also our customers. But when they just all they need to do from our perspective is just place the order. The dealing with the trucks, the deal with the deliveries, all that, that's really on us. And we have a wide variety of carriers that we work with that we trust and they know us. So there's a relationship, there's there's also a priority basis that takes into place. And we make sure that the experience is as pleasant as possible. Now, I'm not telling you that everything is perfect. This industry runs <laughs> a lot of challenges. Uh, I won't tell you There's that. Zero that now. complaints, right? Zero. I won't go there. I won't go there. Not <laughs> I, won't, I won't BS you. But, but we are making it more pleasant. Because at the end of the day, listen, it's the same thing with the warehousing, same thing with the truck, right? It's how big are you? All right, so if we, if you're one guy who's let's say going back to the warehousing, if you just want a warehouse space, right, and you know the warehouse owner, the whoever is this there that needs to lease your space, they don't know you much, or you're not such a big player for them. If you need to get your goods out the door, and there is warehouse issues, warehouse with issues such as personnel or uh, demand on the product, whatever it is, you're going to be put down in the priorities, taken down in the priorities, and you're not going to be the first one who's going to get the goods out, no matter how far or how loud you're going to scream. Ain't going to help, right? If, the, if there is a capacity, you're going to be shut down because you're the smallest guy for them. You're the smallest customer. Same thing goes with the truck, right? If, you, if you're working with a trucking company, yeah, there are commitments, whatever it is, but sometimes they're going to say, okay, you know, if I need yeah, what are you going to do? Sue them? I think a lot of people don't realize that in business. And, and it is like, you know, unless you're talking about like six figures of money, like if it's like five grand, 10 grand, even 20 grand, it's like the legal, the legal ramifications of, of trying to fight that is probably more expensive than, you know, yeah. business could just say, yeah, screw it. We're not going to deal with you. We don't care about you. Right. Like, I mean, they could break a contract. What do you, you, you could charge them, them, right. You know, and this is a cross for my, my, my experience. Every industry, every like everyone, everyone, you everyone. know, even a big company could do it. Yeah, you could try and sue them. They could throw lawyers at you, you know, they and they have more money than you, anyways, right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's a challenge. That's a challenge. If, if you're if you're a small company, you're either gonna run by you know the big guys who, even if you're right, the justice is with you, but the lawyers is with them, and they're gonna run you okay. out of money. They're going to run you out What's of your incentive, right? Like, yeah, oh, you give them a bad review. Well, they have 800,000 reviews. Man. So one bad review means nothing to them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they don't care. That's a, it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. And I, and I hate to say it. I, I really well, That's why we care so much about small, medium business. Yeah. And why when you ask us, what's our, what's our target audience? And that's who we're trying to go after because we feel like they need help. It's so complex. So I want to kind of pivot this to a couple of questions, which is... Um, one, what, how did you, how did you build demand for this? Like, it seems like, okay, the value prop makes sense for the vendors. Let's say I'm a manufacturer and, you know, you mentioned like Mexico, I don't have time to do marketing in the U S to retailers. Like that's a crazy, you know, I spent a lot of time in Mexico. So I, I know that they're probably not going to, they're not going to have time to deal with that. They're just trying to make their product and, you know, make their living in, the, in, in Mexico or whatever. Um, but then how did you get, 
like how do people find you? Are is it Google? Are, are you selling uh, direct sales? Or I know you you talked about the traditional sales, and it sounds like you're not quite. You're trying to be more modern. So what, how are you guys selling like to the end? So, so Homeroots does not sell to direct the consumer at all. We're not in this space. We, yes, when we, I say that, when I say the customer, I mean like uh, the, 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 yeah, yeah, the, the small, the small guys, obviously Home yeah, Depot, like it's different. You know, you yeah. can go talk to Home Depot procurement. It's a little bit different to go around and talk to not everyone has a procurement. Department. <laughs> yeah. Right. Most, no, no. Most businesses do not have a dedicated procurement department. So let's be They clear. don't. They really don't. So the way the way we started off, actually, the way we started off this business was we went directly after the big guys first. Directly. Uh and intentionally. And because but we that, in, in like in a sense, it's almost easy, right? Hey, let's anyway, get you know. on, the, on the phone. You, they have. You can kind of figure out how to get to them, right? You can like, try. It's it, not it, easy to get to them. It's not easy. Well, but it's not it, easy to get them know. on the phone, but it's easy to know who, yeah. they, who they are and how who to, they know. are, and you can try. Yeah. But we went through. We went. We went after them strategically, using and and pitching them with how the buying experience through us will be different than just another vendor knocking on the door and trying to sell the yeah. product. So we didn't sell them the dream of the product about this is a sexy product or you're going to really love this couch or you're really going to love this chair. It wasn't about the product. Mm. It was more about what can we enable those retailers that they will not be able to get from any other uh, source of goods, any other vendor. You were basically like, hey, Home Depot, I can get you all these lights for... And you're not going to deal with all the hassles of the other people that you might deal with. Or, yeah, know. I'll I'll give you I'll give you a good I'll give you a good uh, good example why when it becomes really attractive for them to do business with us. So what what really was was in them in in it for them? So you think about many many retailers now. You see also I mean Amazon went with that, Walmart is going with that, Wafers try to go with that as well. But to a certain degree, you know they're creating those marketplaces. Right, uh, where different factories or different importers can can upload their products onto those marketplaces and sell their products through those marketplaces to the consumer, right? But if you think about now, now talk about it, now see it from the retailer standpoint who operates this marketplace. Usually they work on a, a commission basis, right? How much commission they're taking? 15%, 12%, 1%, whatever it is, it's fixed. It's not going to change. You cannot now start charging 25, 30, 35, whatever it is. You cannot. But what if you had another way as a retail? What if you had another way to get the same large amount of products like a marketplace, but instead of working on 15%, you can work on 50%, 40%. What if you have this opportunity? Will you go for it? I want to believe you will because you're almost going to, you're going to do double or triple the markups and the margins. Yeah, you charge the same price and just make way more. So the same price, (laughs) and you are in control of the pricing that you want to offer the consumer, and that's what we sold them. That's that's that that's what we want a good experience and making it easier. Good experience, make it easier, and and there's a lot of other pieces that we haven't really touched yet. But we, this is what we're doing for them. So we're working. We tap into the retailers. We tell them, listen, we can fuel. Your your retail your dot com site we can fuel it like a marketplace with a large array of products while you in control of the prices while you in control of your margins. So 
So let me let me ask a question then. So let's say I am Home Depot or one of these big companies and I'm on uh, your site and I'm signed in. Is there full price price transparency? I can click and and buy whatever I'm buying. There's no like dead end where it says call a salesperson. No, no, no. Because that's the kiss of death, I think, for B2B e-commerce where everything dead ends with the call a salesperson. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. There is. There is. Yeah, we do online catalog, which is really a glorified, you know, yeah. catalog online at the end of the day for that. And you are correct. What is that? And, and I want to touch upon, uh, touch upon. So first of all, we don't have this on our side we do have account managers that do help you sure. you're, you're not you're not you're not relying on them at all uh for placing an order you don't need to call call us to complete the order you don't need to do it but we do have account managers that help you with your assortments give you recommendation help you be, yeah. be there for real sales people that's what we were talking about like, hey this so, is actually how we're going to help you not just place this order, right? Yeah, but, that just place okay. order, but this is what you did. But there is another aspect here that we haven't really spoken about, which is something that we do for our suppliers. Now, most of the manufacturers in the world, we can argue about that, whether we want to change it or not, but most of the manufacturers are non-US based. There are not too many factories in the US. Yeah, I mean, well, even the US, I think it's about... I want to say, and this could be way off. I want to say it's about thirteen to fifteen percent of GDP in the U.S. Yeah. Does that sound about right in the U.S.? I think I think you're right. It's close. Yeah. I mean, we, everyone, yeah, they've said it for years. We're a services economy, right? It's, service it's funny because they're like services, but like is that <laughs> software as a service, like software. You know, it's kind of a gray area to me that yeah, everything is service, but it's like, well, you're really just paying for this product, but it's software. It's software. <laughs> yes, it really is software. And, then, and and so the thing is that most of the factories, especially for furniture, uh, home decor items, they are really overseas, which means that English is not their first language. All right, let's start off with that. Now, when you're trying to get your products, you know how to manufacture your product. And, I'm, and I want to believe that you know how to do it best because this is your essence. You are a factory. You need to know how to produce uh, products in the best quality. And let's say, if not, you got a QC. But let's say we pass that. Now you need to market those products into the US or into North America. You need to be able to- You don't even speak it. English that well. <laughs> you don't even speak English. So what our company does actually, we're taking the information that we're getting from them and we're enhancing that. So we're recreating the, we're rewriting the descriptions. We're enhancing the content. We're enhancing the oh, photography. Wow. Oh, wow. We're so doing all the same. You're doing all that. Wow. And how much are you charging for that? Nothing. Okay, interesting. <laughs> I wanted to make sure. That's really interesting. So, so I, promise. Over, I assume you make money on some fees somewhere, right? You, you are getting a, a marketplace. No, we are. We are getting it. We're, we're getting a certain markup based on the industry so it really varies um on the category and the time of the day but some products are getting so in, in essence these these manufacturers are almost like outsourcing to you the entire sales and marketing process of coming to everything US. yeah entire ops back office so we do for them okay like, hey, we make the, this awesome product here you go like figure out exactly you <laughs> make this awesome product we're asking you two things to do one get us all the basic information as far to the what you know to get the, get us the specs yeah. size weight size, yeah. material all this and get us this piece of information and second work with us to get the product into the u.s it has to be in the u.s for us to uh fulfill it 
But yeah, get it through customs and get it through the, the process of getting into the get US. Get it through the process. We're helping them with, with that as well, but we need their willingness yeah. to do that. There's a if whole legal tax. It's complicated, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Duties and tax and stuff. Yeah. Yes. But once, once we got the products in, into the warehouses into the US, from that point on, we're taking care of everything. It's completely on us. They don't have to worry about the sales, not marketing, not backend, not customer service, wow. not logistics, nothing. We're completely, we're like an extension of their company in the US. We're representing them. Yeah, it's almost like you are, you are essentially almost like their US distributor. Like you see this exactly. all the time where uh, we see this the other way because you work with mostly US companies where they hire a overseas distribution company and they're like, because they, they're like, uh, you know, Germany or I'm just making that up. It's like, we don't speak German. We don't want to do all the like things in there. Like, all right, you own like Germany and whatever. Like, they'll give them like certain countries and they and territories. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. China especially is another one that we see because it's like just so hard for them to deal with it themselves. Yeah, yeah I know. And so, so, so a couple other things that I come across, you know, because people, it's what's interesting. I think is that furniture and home goods is becoming more like fashion in a way where people are asking more about sustainability. Tra traceability, what things are made of, like, is it is it a rare wood that shouldn't be cut down from the Amazon? How are you dealing with all of those kinds of things for your, uh, you know, for your business? Uh, well, I'll add to that one thing. I also notice there's a lot more fast trends, like fast fashion. Yep. I see things, I'm like, wow, that like, it's like, I've seen things in stores. I'm like, I guess that's cool now. <laughs> I don't really like that, but it's like the new thing, you know? Right. <laughs> so I, I tell you what we're doing because we're not we're not directly involved in the manufacturing process, but what we do is we give them some data, some input to our suppliers. So we get we show them and we share with them the trends. Like we have account managers that work on with our customers. We have account managers that work with our suppliers. So we have the same thing. So we collect a lot of data, right? By working with all those different retailers and working with different um, uh, business professionals. And we understand what the trends are or where the trends will be. And by that, we're aggregating all this piece of information and we're taking it back to the factories saying, this is what we're seeing that is hot. This is where we're seeing the demand is going to. So we're giving them this information. I agree with you, Tim, that usually, yeah, it's it's almost like tailgating the fashion industry. So you can see the different trends with colors. They'll say like, now this is the, but, you know. But, but, just to, but just to be clear, even more than that, you know, fashion is being forced to talk about certifications, like sustainability certifications. So are, are you looking to do that with any of your, the manufacturers who yeah. are selling, you know, that, that sort of thing, like an actual certification? Yes, we're actually doing that. Okay. Actually, okay. we're doing right. it right now. Okay. We're, right now. we're going through all those others. Uh, when, when I asked about the data mm -hmm. that we're asking, uh, this is part of that. Okay, so great. Certifications and uh, uh, for our customers who are downloading the data from us, uh, they can see <laughs> a long list of fields uh, for different certifications that we're supporting right now. And one other follow-up to that, a lot of people that I've worked with, you know, they may want to just focus on a particular country or region. That's very easy as well, I imagine. Like you could yeah. say, I'm only buying from Central and South America for these products. And yeah, they can, choose. Okay. they can choose and filter however okay. they fit. If they want specific categories uh, manufactured from. Listen, we, we used to have, a, a, I mean, and it's a growing trend, right? Many people want to buy only made in the U.S. 
right? That's that's a growing trend that we're seeing. It. You know, there's still limitation of the factoring, and I could tell you many companies. There's not too many manufacturers, not too many manufacturers um, in the U.S., but still, you know, you have companies that well, even a few customers. So maybe we should talk about that. I'm not yeah. sure they're your customer, but they probably they might be interested. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> like, there was some of the last remaining uh, U.S. factories, <laughs> literally. Like, well, seriously, one of them, uh, they had to buy it out of, they went uh, under in 2008 and a bunch of families came together and kept it going because they didn't want to see it go out of business. And uh, it's like a local. We'll, we'll be happy to help them. You know, we'll be happy to help them. You know, they say it's, it's the same. Listen, at the end of the day, whether it's obviously it's more appealing to the to uh, overseas, but even domestic, they face the same issues. Right. Mm-hmm. They need the distribution channel. They need the sales channel, a reliable yep. sales channel. They know how to talk about the products. They're very good at it. But now you need to market it. Yeah, exactly. How, how are you going to market it, right? How are you going to put it in the e-commerce? Yeah, marketing is. And so let's talk talk about yeah. that briefly. I mean, I, I think we need to get you back because I feel like we haven't even. I would love to. I think we need a part two of this. But it makes sense. And I think in general, for most businesses, Fortune 500, whatever, Fortune 1000, mm-hmm. you kind of have to go direct. I mean, you can get lucky and get some inbound and, and we've gotten lucky with that. But like, you know, it's more of a direct sales approach because it's like, we know who these thousand companies are, 500, like, we know we got to talk to these people and, you know, it's a, it's a hard process. But how did you get to the the, the SMB com- customers? How, I mean, there, there's no way you could, I mean, you can do that, but it's not very efficient to call up every little retailer. No, no. <laughs> um, so... I'm trying to think back how we got the first one. So we did, we partnered up with different companies in the ecosystem um, that they have certain customer base domestically uh, that they buy from them. So Mm -hmm. through that, we had the referrals and slowly people saw us and start putting us online, um, mainly with exposure of the big guys. People, I believe, felt that they could trust us more to actually put their faith in us and try to work with us and advertise our products and give us a chance. And that's really how it got started. So from the moment that some few, from the moment a few of them, I will call it like the early adopters, they went up, they put our products out there. And with the maturity of the products online, with the reviews, feedback, you know, showing up higher in the search engines, um, it just became a snowball of like yeah, it became snowball, yeah. and now everybody everybody wants to go in, and so we're we're definitely looking for different retailers that can really complement, right? Can really add something to the pie. We're not just looking for another guy who's going to compete with another guy um, on the same space right now. So um, this well, is this is really how it got so, started. So, um, what I really wanted to ask you, um, since I know we're kind of limited on time, but. Uh, I think one of the reasons, you know, we talk about this a lot in the podcast, like you're, you know, like you said, who, is it, who are we trying to help these midsize? Let's, let's go with them. I think midsize is a good, it's, it's, you know, small can kind of like see themselves becoming mid and the large people sometimes need to do more agile stuff like the mid people. So the mid for the, let's say for the midsize people, you know, it's probably going to be a little bit of a reach for most of them to build, you know, this diverse development team in Ukraine and, you know, around the world and build this like custom marketplace. Um, do you recommend that they uh, like, what would you do, you know, knowing they have maybe a more limited skill set? Like, 
you know, typically we feel like they, and we do a lot of this work, it makes sense for them to maybe work with a platform that has, um, you know, a B2B capability, you know, maybe not quite <laughs> the level of what you custom built, but enough where they can get some things out there and have some sort of foundation uh, like a big oh. commerce or Magento or whatever. Um, yeah, so I'll tell you. So, so if they're in the furniture or uh, home decor space, I'll say work with home roots, <laughs> obviously. But if you're if you're outside of that space, I'll say you really got to focus on. I'm also thinking they kind of still need to have like they want their own website, right? Like you kind of yeah, no, no, definitely. Brand, right? Like even if they outsource ninety percent of their sales to you, I still think they need something internally because it's just you know. So I'll tell you what we're doing. So I'll tell you what we're doing, man. And maybe from that, we can also segue to your um, your question. But on that aspect, so we have different retail stores, physical retail stores that have no presence online, have hmm. no stores. They no, no, don't have uh, um, joesstores.com. Okay. They don't have it, right? So actually, we, we just launched a different program. Uh, I think it was uh, about two months ago where they can actually uh, subscribe to, uh, to, it's us with another company that we're also uh, working together, but they can subscribe to a certain package that we offer and we can actually get them a website up and running with our products pre-launch on that website. Now, if they want to add other products, that's not a problem. It's not limiting in any way so they can grow it but at least they can get the foundations of having a website having a domain up there with pre-launch products that they don't need to do anything as far as handling their orders or shipping tracking numbers or in managing inventory seeking up inventory but that's not an easy thing if you're in the drop shipping business but if you don't want to carry all those items in your, in your yeah, you're a little retailer. Business. But this is more at that point okay. you're somewhat direct to consumer because these are smaller retailers. Yeah, those really. Uh, but I'll say if you, if you want to really, uh, I mean, you gotta you gotta build a certain website. That's a challenge. That's what I couldn't find. I really could not find a good uh, technological solution that helps you build like a B2B marketplace for you if you wanted well, to. I think not everyone, so a lot of these companies, they don't necessarily need a marketplace, right? No. They, because they might just say, okay, we sell these 10,000 SKUs and they control them. So that's where a platform, oh. I think, the marketplace, I agree. There is not, you know, there are platforms more and more now uh, in the last couple of years that have started to get better at the marketplace stuff. But right now, I mean, you have this thing called Miracle. I don't know if you've heard I know of that. that. Sure. <laughs> But it's super expensive and, uh, you know, it's not, it's, yeah. Not. And, and it's not probably doesn't do a lot of things that you need anyways. Um, and, and it's definitely not really targeted at B2B either. But um, I do think that the, the B2B platforms just from a direct B2B have come a long way. Not, not so much marketplace, big commerce as the B2B edition. Yes. Magento has the B2B company accounts, uh, optimizely uh, bought insight. Um, I'm trying to think who else is uh, Unilog. There's probably about Shopify. Five, yeah, there's almost almost today about almost 10, 10 or so viable yeah. options. I would say that you could sell to businesses, but yeah, not not marketplace, not like third parties adding to the site. But if you control your set, whatever 
100 so, yeah it, it does then and then if that if that's your objective definitely it's uh i will say that you should you know team up with you know you got big commerce you got shopify also they have something uh on the b2b side big commerce definitely even i think a little bit more advanced on that end and but you you need to build i, I will say that definitely if you were if you really wanted to get it started i do recommend having a developer on staff or someone that you can rely on that can help you through the process and someone that is done. I agree. I mean, I think, I think that's where we struggle, right? Because I think it's not enough to just hire a trellis, right? I really think yeah. you need, uh, cause, cause we don't, we don't, I'm not in your warehouse doing that. I think you need to hire a director of it type person. Like where we've struggled the most is with, especially B2B companies that do not have a strong, like technical leader. And you need that technical leader then to work with also probably an agency because you know it's probably not going to do the design themselves. They're not going to do everything themselves, right? Like it's one person can't do everything. But yeah, I think without that, person, you have to invest in that. You you have to invest, and and I know it's a challenge. Yeah, it, it's a challenge for small companies because to those recruit companies. that person. Yeah, how do you get that? <laughs> and how do you know he's good? Right? Or, yeah, whatever. You know, uh, you how, know. how do you know that person is good? Right? Yeah. How do you know? that, I always say that I know I tell customers we'll interview them for you because I, I definitely see that it's like oh yeah we hired this guy his resume looked amazing it's like I don't think people realize some of these guys they say they can code it's like they can't even really code you know yeah they can't ask, yeah but uh, somehow they've you need you know, to do leadership positions and, and they fool a, a, a mid-sized company into yeah. director of IT position and then it's like, all right, we need you to like build this integration. It's like, oh, well, I can't do that. <laughs> I tell you, the solution that I that I'll offer those companies, it's obviously that you need someone technical, you know, working for you more dedicated, right? And and uh, the time frame of that engagement can be discussed, but you definitely need that. Now, how can you get to that? I will say that if you if you just if you're ready in your mindset, or that you realize that you need that, I will say either get get in touch with a company or through if you have a linkedin profile if that's what you think and through your contacts you get someone some I mean, definitely oh, linkedin these bb companies need to do better i mean some of them have no presence and they're like a hundred million dollar company you can't find them on linkedin you can't find them anywhere but but you gotta you gotta get through your contacts someone that you can rely on that can do even be like a friend that is like friend yeah exactly. you know, developer at google or something that like you know is a good developer right like i have my friend that is a top guy at Airbnb. So I, when I'm thinking about cutting edge stuff, I always like, like to ask him questions, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I'll sell, and this is, you got to have that someone that you can rely on, even someone that is not your best friend, but someone that you somehow connected with and ask them, listen, you know, can you, and you find a way to compensate them, right? You, for their time, for their efforts, for whatever it is, but you have them as being the interviewers. And you really got to move into that mindset, realizing that, hey, you cannot recruit that type of a person by yourself if you're not a technical person yourself. You can't. Yeah. You can't. It's like I cannot. You could get like, lucky, right? You could get lucky. Get lucky. But, but, but you probably don't want to make that decision based off luck. It's, it's very expensive. <laughs> those, <laughs> those people are not, uh, they don't come cheap. Well, I think that's also part of the problem is that they, they don't understand that. And so, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, we got this person. We pay him 90 grand. It's like in the U.S., 
you're not going to get probably a, 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 a IT leader for 90 grand in the United States. Probably not. You're not. Nope. No. It's just not going to happen. No. On that happy note. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we circle around it? No, but just to just to give a solution, just to give to the audience some some solution, and not I would say really, you got to find someone does whether that's a good friend or through your LinkedIn or through your network or someone that you know indirectly or directly, get in touch with them, find a way, and don't be don't be cheap about it find a way to compensate them even something nominal it's not about it's not about the amount it's more about the gesture the fact yeah. that you are appreciative of their time and you have them and your engagement towards just interviewing technically the people yeah, that help me find someone that can lead this this new yeah. new, new initiative uh a quick anecdote uh, before and i want to you know wrap this up but like it, it, we we uh we had a customer that that didn't work out with us perfect example Small, mid-size, almost mid-size, right? Um, I, I would say around $40, $50 million distributor. Not not tiny, right? Like, you know, that's <laughs> decent size amount of money. I mean, a lot of people, you know, they'll never get to $50 million of revenue in their lives, right? Like, that's like a pretty big revenue size. They, um, we, we, it just wasn't working well. And, and, and I think it's because, and my team came to me and they're like, so the marketing team was running all of IT, essentially. So they had two marketing people. They were running all of IT. And um, they had Magento and they had WordPress, but they had some pretty, and they had Salesforce and then they had Sage. You're talking about like <laughs> pretty enterprise systems. Yeah. And we kept saying like, you need a director of IT. Like it just, it wasn't working, right? Like they just, it didn't, it, it felt like we were just treading water, right? It felt like we were like in, in uh, what's it called? Trying to use some analogies here, like uh, quicksand, right? Driving like, a new one step and then a step back. It's just like, yeah. just couldn't get any like momentum. And I even tried, I was like, you know, with what you have, I think you should maybe simplify the SaaS because Magento is a beast. It's a great platform. Yeah. You know, I built a lot of my career on it, but let's be honest. It's a pretty, it's a pretty beast yeah. open source, you know, PHP monster of an application. Yeah. And, and so to your point, they did not have, they had one kind of sort of technical guy, but he really just only did a little bit of Salesforce stuff. There was no leader. There was no director IT. No, you can't. No and, and it was just like, it's so, it was such a glaring hole that, and we kept saying, hire this guy, hire this guy. Nothing happened. They never hired him. Maybe they're going to, but like, you know, we probably worked with them for six months. So there's no changes, you know? It's like, to me, it's just, that's a year. They're going to go through a year of just wasted time by not hiring that person. And and then if you think about the lost of revenues and loss, people don't but think that way. I kept saying, like, do you want to be a hundred million dollar company? They could. They could definitely be a hundred million dollar company. But I don't think they'll ever get there without that talk to IT. Right? You cannot do it without IT. You can't. No. You can't just do it with. Again, I, I love marketing. Uh, we're doing it right, but you can't. Marketing is marketing. Don't don't confuse. Oh, that don't get me wrong. Don't, don't, they also uh, they also had uh, uh, another platform, uh, an iPass solution. Ah, right? so, <laughs> <laughs> so like you're talking about some enterprise systems like iPass. Yeah. These things are and, 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 like marketing is trying to like figure out how it's all working, and it's like they shouldn't be worried about that, right? How they put it all together. Yeah, they awesome. should be like director of IT, make this work. Yeah. So we can market the business, you know. <laughs> no, you, you gotta you gotta have someone technical, even in the earlier stages. I, I say don't wait. 
Yeah, don't wait till you're you yeah know, floundering <laughs> at that you know fifty million dollar size, right? Like that's where I think that's, that's why we have this podcast, right? Because what, what scares me is where are those companies going to be in ten years? Gone, uh, gone. I agree with you. they're gone. gonna be gone. They're gonna be gone. If you don't have IT staff with you, committed to your company, I'm saying committed. Now it can be. It doesn't have to be full time. One point, you know, uh, twice. It could be know. a fractional CIO. It could be a fractional. It takes a lot of people. will help you with some of that. Yeah. It takes a lot of people to keep a business, you know, successful. You got to have operational talent, marketing talent, sales talent, financial talent, you know, and wherever that talent comes from fractionally or full time, you got to have it. There's a, there's a mix. And, and some, you know, the stages of a business require different things. Isaiah hit the nail on the head. It's like, how do you get from 50 to 100? Well, you don't get you don't get from 50 to 100 by sticking with what you are already doing. No. You, yeah, know, you yeah. need some additional help. And that's Not what five to B2B to companies aren't, you know, it's that's what scares me, right? These the, where are these companies going to be, you know, right? And like said, I, I, <laughs> I agree with you that if you do not uh have dedicated technical staff, you will just I I just don't see how you can exist in the future um, in almost any, I mean, there's some exceptions, right? You know, if you're a small little mom, there's some mom, there's always going to be those mom and pop type businesses, but yeah. You can, Maybe. Uh, the, Maybe. The, the, economy, <laughs> the, the market. Like, I don't even know about that. You know, like, <laughs> Maybe. No, but, but people do studies. I'll, I'll just say this thing, because I know we've got to wrap up, but people do a lot of studies in this. There always will be mom and pops, but they're different mom and pops, right? You know, my family had businesses going back like 100 years. They're not around anymore, right? A lot of these businesses come and go, and it's not just because somebody decides that they don't want to do it. It's because they didn't change with the times, right? That happens a lot. And and things changes rather rapidly today in, mm-hmm. in retail, e-commerce, wholesale, it changes now. Now retail used to lead it, e-commerce used to lead it, but now you're seeing a lot of changes on the B2B side, on the wholesale side. And if you're not adjusting, and for you to wait to for you to adjust, is to have an IT staff. Otherwise, yeah, I think it's harder too, right? It's more complicated, like you said. You have ERP integration, back office. I mean, so to your point, I think if you're not adjusting now, it's like that catch-up period. I think it's 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 like towards the rest. You, you talked about your. Uh, they're going, these are, that was the retail side. I think this is happening now in B2B. And you're going to see exactly. that mm-hmm. same exact thing will happen. Exact yeah. evolution. Uh, it's actually rapid. It's actually advancing in much more rapid pace nowadays than the direct to consumer space. And you think that's just because the amount of money and B2B is big, right? Like it's just. Yeah, the amount of money that's been fueled in, it's the antiquity of the wholesale the b2b space compared to what the b2c was for many many years and i think the b2c space is relatively i'm not saying there's no room for other uh service providers there but relatively it's more saturated oh 100 right? yeah you go e-commerce like you said, platforms like we don't need yeah. platform people always try and pitch me on new platforms i'm like Dude, we don't need another platform. Like, no, you don't need. You're, you're crazy if you think you're going to like beat Shopify or BigCommerce or you know these guys. Yeah, like, they have billions of dollars. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> people say, okay, so I'm going to build another, uh, you know, uh, credit card fraudulent company, or I'm going to. Oh, it's all uh, fast, dude. Did you hear about fast? Remember the fast checkout? Yeah. 
fast going down. <laughs> it wasn't so fast. It was a fast end. It was a, it was a very fast uh, exit. <laughs> very fast exit. It's a shame. But, you know, I'm sure that the team learned a lot of things out of that. Uh, I'm sure the CEO learned a lot of things. And and actually, you know, the, the funny thing is that, um, well, maybe it's not funny, but it's um, actually the fact that they ended up in the way, in, in the rapid pace that they uh, ended up or exited was, from what I've heard, highly appreciated by Silicon Valley. So for them, it was go fast, one way or the other, whether you're going up or down, but you got to <laughs> do it fast. Don't, don't go all in. And apparently it was appreciated. That, that's for my uh, sources. Again, I'm not necessarily personally close. But to- like you said, it was a saturated market, right? It is. Um, and and no to your point, B2B, there's this, there's still this green field. I mean, Balance is our sponsor, right? They're payments, but they're really more than payments. They're like an experience, a financial experience for B2B, kind of. Actually, we're, we're talking to them as well. <laughs> so, thank you, Balance, our sponsor. Thank you, Balance. <laughs> so, yes, this is this is in our space. But again, how Make many... Make sure to mention us, by the way. Just so they, uh, I will. Oh, yeah, you know, will. the podcast really swayed us. So <laughs> that I was the, like the, the, the one thing that pushed us over the edge, you know. So. <laughs> we will. I, I promise I will. Well, we, I think we should get around to closing statements. So I noticed the time on the clock. So... Uh, yeah. If we want to, yeah, do you Mark, have anything else us, you, you gave us that. Uh, I, I think it's a really important warning sign. Get your technical chops in place. Like, yep. don't yeah. wait. This is, I honestly think, if you get it by this year, end of 2022, <laughs> right? Like, your mid year resolution. Yeah. Yeah. So, what else, you know, what do you want to leave people, folks, with? Um, just anything. So I'll say I'll say just on the on the beat space is just definitely watch out your step steps over the next uh, six to twelve months. You know, as market changes, uh, being able to be uh, open minded with, in some cases, some extreme changes to your operations and the way you're doing things. We are overall in a recession, and I do believe that it will be. Uh, even worse before going to become better. Um, so you got to watch out. You got to really be careful, but don't be cheap on the IT. <laughs> don't be. Cheap the on one the- area to splurge is the IT. Yes. No, but I, and I, and yeah. I, I do agree with that because, and I've, I've done it myself. I've been cheap with IT. It you end up you end up spending a lot more fixing a lot that more money. Code. What yep. people don't realize is they, because they can't see it. Right? It's code. It's 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 literally on a on a machine in like a in an amazon warehouse so it's like this weird opaque thing but that quality of that code by paying that extra for quality will last you save you so much more money in the future and uh, i spent a year and and part of the reason it took me years because you know i basically was uses uh we've overfill of of trellis and so i had overfill i work on our website and and uh it, it ebbed and flowed and it just you know i didn't have like consistency so it took me a year but I, I was patient because I was like, I'm going to build a infrastructure, headless infrastructure that's going to last me a long time because I have vision and future plans of other systems in the back end. Right now, it's mostly WordPress back end. Yes. Uh, but we actually have a separate system for um, documentation just because it's our docs website is a little bit different. 
Um, and then we're going to have our own, we have e-commerce, which is actually different, but now we can have one unified front end, right? Because it's the headless Vue.js probably should have been react, but you know, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't matter. Long, long story short is that I couldn't be happier. It's been two years since, two years since I launched a little, about two years and it's stable, you know, there's bugs, right. But like, I don't have to worry about a massive refactor, right. Because I invested in. In your infrastructure. Infrastructure. I have five more years that I can keep going on this thing. You know, maybe 10, honestly, you know. So there'll be upgrades. I'll probably have to upgrade the latest version of UJS and, you know, obviously have to upgrade WordPress and things like that. There'll be things that, but I don't have to completely rebuild. You know what I mean? Once you're done your thing, you're stable. In my opinion, you're you're less prone to other changes in the industry. You have your own path. You took your own path. You're leading it. But that initial infrastructure, it's like your house, right? It's yeah. like your foundation. That's where I think companies just get it wrong, right? Since I've done the same thing, uh, since we've done the same thing in Homeroots, I can tell you that uh, <laughs> I agree with you 100%. Uh, this is the right path to go. But not everybody can do it. Not everyone can do it. You need a lot of money for that. Um, I'm sure you also had your own uh, Well, yeah, it helps when you, uh, you know, you have the developers at cost, right? Like, <laughs> yes. I, we all, you know, we, we uh, employ them so we don't have to, you know, when you pay yes. a third party, it's usually a little more. Yes, but it's it's worth it. At the end of the day, it's it's worth it. I think it's the right thing. So, listen, I, if, if you have audiences that are in the furniture or, or home decor space, I, I do welcome everybody to visit uh, homeroots.co. This is our main side, you know, and it depends what they are. If they're manufacturers, then I'm sure on the site they'll find a way to, um, you know, there's a way at the bottom that can register as a supplier, they can start the process. If they're a retailer or someone in the, um, you know, buying space, you know, they can just register as well to be one of our customers. So again, everything is in homeroots.co. If, if they're on other spaces and they need some help, you know, more than happy to keep in touch, you guys. We should uh, stay in touch, and and you can tunnel uh, the questions uh, to me as well. I see our human sure. team. I'll be more than happy. This is for me. It's what I enjoy uh, doing. Well, well thank you for today. This is a yeah, this great episode, and uh, I think our listeners are really gonna love it. We're definitely gonna have you back. <laughs> I would love to. Just, just the only one. I have so many topics to cover. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't even scratch the surface of what we could have. So yeah, yeah no, it's very high level. I didn't even bring up all the secret stuff. You know, I'm back. <laughs> uh, some of it I can reveal. I don't mind. <laughs> Next time. Next time. Thanks. Thanks.